Welcome to Physicians Helping Attorneys Helping People. When people are injured due to negligence or while on the job, they need all the help they can get. Doctors Armin Feldman and Mike Bummer help ensure they get it. Join them as they discuss the newest medical subspecialty of medical legal consulting. Learn how attorneys can gain a competitive advantage in PI, workers' comp, and medical malpractice cases. Armin and Mike can help you better understand the medical issues in your cases, leading to larger settlement amounts and the best possible medical care for clients. They can help save you time and increase case value, all without breaking the bank. Let's get started. And welcome to this episode of Physicians Helping Attorneys Helping People. I'm Dr. Armin Feldman, and as always, I'm here with my friend, colleague, and partner in Physicians Legal Consultants, Dr. Mike Bummer. Hi, Armin, and hello to our listeners. I I just realized we should probably start because we don't always mention this at the beginning, but if any of our listeners want some more information, because Armin, you shared that Uh, Just earlier this week, we had someone who's uh, been listening to the podcast and had a question about a specific case they were working up at the time. And uh, I believe you spoke to this attorney and he reached out to you by our email with comments at physicianshelpingattorneys.com. And I don't know if that's always clear, but uh, given that we uh, talk about a lot of various topics that it's natural that our listeners are going to have some questions or have a case for themselves to talk about. Mike, I'm so glad that you brought that up. In fact, I'll tell you something. I don't think it's uh, talking out of school to say this, but uh, I'll tell you something that that attorney said. He said, you know, I've been listening to your podcast for a while, and all of a sudden, in listening to the last one, it occurred to me hey, I've got this case that I should run by. (laughs) So I I guess, you know, that's the old, uh, in marketing, right? That's the old rule of three, right? You have to hear something at least three times before you act. Yeah, and and today's world was probably even a lot more than that with all of our distractions going on around us. Yeah, yeah. Today, what we're going to do is continue on what we talked about in our last episode. And this is part two of talking about how medical legal consultants use their specific expertise to navigate a lot of legal issues in cases. And this knowledge and expertise, uh, Mike, of course, as you know, is really up and beyond how treating doctors and even medical experts approach cases. And we got into this last time and realized one episode was not going to be enough. So, uh, in fact, I know, Mike, you said in our last episode, you had written a whole number of things down that we didn't even get to. Exactly. There. So let's just jump right in because I believe that it is a good continuation. If you're hearing this episode for the first time, please go back to our last episode where Armin discusses some terminologies and some unique, you know, perspectives on what a medical legal consultant brings to the table above and beyond a treating doctor or, you know, maybe physicians who just aren't really used to working in the legal field. And at the top of my list, was the terminology more likely than not. Mm, Good one. Mm -hmm. And this has meaning in the legal world, correct? 
Correct. Absolutely. And so the when we write this in our opinion reports, and when we give our medical opinion and make statements that, for instance, it is more likely than not that the client is going to require a significant spine surgery. Mm -hmm. That is us making an opinion based upon considering all of the facts, the condition, and the current state of the client, that in due time, based upon all of these considerations, that it is more likely than not that this will occur. And maybe Armin, as someone who's been probably a bit more able to eloquently explain this, given your, your history of this consulting business, could you elaborate on how, and maybe this is even helping, helping our physician listeners understand this concept. Yeah, sure. So, you know, it's funny, Mike, I had a meeting with an attorney yesterday. And in one of the things that he did is he actually brought the jury instructions with him. So uh, he could make an emphasis of a point. And so uh, his client had some uh, a precipitating event, and we'll get into the specifics, and that caused her uh, to have some problems. And so the uh, attorney actually went to the uh, treating doctor who had been treating her for a while, and the treating doctor said, well, um, this that, that event didn't have much to do with it. She was on a downhill course. This would have happened to her anyway. And he pointed out that um, in the jury instructions, it doesn't say that the event that might have been negligent, for example, in a PI case, was the, it didn't say the event, it said was a event. Mm. And, and he uh, wanted to get some help and have me talk to that treating doctor uh, about uh, these legal distinctions. And what made me think about that is that when we draw a medical opinion, uh, it's to the preponderance, or it's our opinion is based on uh, our preponderance of uh, evidence uh, uh, that we base our opinion on. So that more likely than not, in many states, it really just means that there's a, a 51% uh, likelihood, right, that uh, something calls, caused something else. Or in a, in a, for example, in a personal injury case, uh, that the rear end accident uh, caused the person's headaches. And so uh, rather than saying it's, it's our opinion to a reasonable degree or uh, it, it's our belief, uh, we're going to use the, ter- or the term it's more likely than not because that actually is, of course, as our uh, attorney listeners know, that actually has uh, legal significance uh, in uh, most states uh, in terms of uh, that has a specific meaning uh, that is related to these uh, tort cases. That's exactly right. And I, I believe that that is not always clear to someone who a physician that is not regularly involved in these you know, legal discussions and writing legally, mm-hmm. you know, the most beneficial legal uh, useful, most useful reports, even though that very well could be their opinion. 
if it's not stated properly, kind of the way that you mentioned kind of assisting your client by even talking to the treating doctor and clarifying that in a mm-hmm. in a doctor to doctor conversation that's that's a really good uh, example of of a role that we can play you know another term that i use quite frequently because it comes mm-hmm. up with a lot of our uh you know our attorney clients who've been injured in car crashes is the the term activities of daily living yeah, I like that one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, commonly abbreviated ADLs. Mm-hmm. And this is not necessarily just a, you know, coffee table conversation about whether, you know, Mrs. Johnson can, you know, uh, cook her dinner like like she's used to. But it goes it goes many steps further because legally it's been defined. And... Mm-hmm. It has legal significance because whenever you, whenever we make uh, give our opinion that a injured person can no longer complete or with with a reduction in their ability to complete activities of daily living, this has a legal meaning of things and activities such as eating, meaning they may need assistance with cooking, preparing or serving food. Uh, dressing, getting dressed, dressing themselves, and occasionally needing assistance. And these are things that we pull out whenever we're doing the phone interview with our attorney's clients. Yeah, uh, that's right. In fact, it's one of the things, right, Mike, that sets um, our reports, uh, 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 um, makes them uh, distinguished above just a treating doctor report. So, for example, things like talking about causation, talking about mechanism of injury. And the one that you bring up that's so critical is that we'll talk about functional losses as yes. affects activities of daily living. Yes, that's exactly right. And and above and beyond maybe a a medical record that says patient having difficulty with ADLs. I, I, I wouldn't necessarily expect an adjuster or opposing counsel to know exactly what that means. So in my reports, and I'm sure mm-hmm. you do the same thing, I go out of my way to ask about their their household activities. How are they managing their household? Maybe maybe they're, uh, they live alone and they're, they're usually mowing the lawn. Maybe they can't yeah. do that anymore. Maybe they... Uh, they can no longer go shopping for groceries, but they they're now ordering groceries to be delivered to them in this post-COVID area of grocery delivery. And these are things that specific activities that are defined by you know uh, legal definitions that mm-hmm. we include in part of our as part of our opinions in our reports that I believe set us apart as medical legal consultants. Yeah, that's great. Absolutely great. What else is on your list? Well, I, I don't know if we touched on this specifically yet, but the the way that we phrase kind of our most impactful statements, and we when we give our medical opinions, we write and document that we are giving them within a reasonable degree of medical certainty or probability, depending on yeah, depending on the uh, jurisdiction, correct? Mm-hmm. Right, depending on the state, what the language uh, used in that state is. And that's very different than uh, the way that I documented uh, medical, you know, pl- 
plans or assessments whenever I was, you know, treating uh, patients and making, you know, formulating diagnostic plans or, or treatment plans, I would say, you know, I believe Mrs. Johnson has a bronchitis and, Mm -hmm. you know, and we would use terms like, um, belief or, or, uh, other terms that, that are not quite as legally accurate. accurate. I was, thank you. I was looking for the right word as legally accurate as giving our opinion within a reasonable degree of medical certainty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, something else that I commonly do in my reports to explain the, you had mentioned causation and how we're able to, you know, using literature, uh, whether whatever research we've done or, or even explaining in layman's terms some difficult to understand topics about causation because it's important that the opposing counsel or insurance adjuster understand the exact mechanism that led to our attorney's client's injuries is I'll often include graphics. And one of the graphics I really like involves whiplash, which shows the S curvature of the spine that occurs mm-hmm. in in whiplash. And I've I've used many graphics to explain those topics. And I think it it really sets sets our reports apart from uh, from a you know a paragraph form opinion that's just kind of making statements that leaves the reader to really kind of maybe wonder or search for reasons that maybe it's not true. I, I think we the, do our best to make it painfully obvious how these injuries occurred and what the impacts of them are. Right, right. You know, what that reminds me of, Mike, is uh, something that uh, I do and that I teach is these reports that we write, uh, they're not consultation notes to another physician, right? These reports are primarily read by non-physicians, right? what we would call lay people. So some of the things that uh, I really uh, think are important is, for example, that we use plain English as much as possible. You know, I've had uh, insurance adjusters uh, tell me that medical terminology is a foreign language, and they're making huge decisions about what care the client slash patient receives. So when, now obviously, Necessity calls for us to use medical terms. When I do that, I always try to put an explanation, a definition, something that would be easily understandable to a lay person in parentheses behind the medical term that I'm using. And something else that I think is important is we see a lot of similar things, or we see a lot of uh, things that are the same, disc, uh, uh, ruptured discs, whatever it is, rotator cuff injuries. But it's really important not to use a canned report, right? So, Because adjusters, attorneys, judges, and others, they're going to see more than one of our reports. So it's far better for the client, the attorney, and the case when an original report's written every time. In fact, our original report, it's, it's one of the most important things that we do and, and that we're paid for. Really good point, Armin. And specific in kind of branching off of that mm-hmm. is also how we 
are able to address discrepancies or let's call them uh, confusing symptoms or you know maybe there's uh, pre-existing conditions that that seem to uh, con- maybe have contributed or, or maybe leave the opposing counsel to want to assume that the injuries are merely a natural progression of a pre-existing problem. And we're able to really, both as part of the phone interview, really flesh out you know, what the client was like before an injury versus after. The medical record really get into the way that their treating doctors were phrasing their injuries or complaints before the injury to after and what their their life looked like and including that and then providing a very, you know, reasonable opinion within what is, again, within a reasonable degree of medical certainty whether or not we believe that the the current status of their their function is related to what it was prior and i only bring this up because mm-hmm. we all know that no no client injury is just absolutely black and white so many americans have pre-existing back pain uh mm-hmm. pre-existing neck pain or uh pre-existing headaches how many sure. how many clients have you seen that didn't have a record of a headache at some time before the <laughs> right. crash and that is uh it's to their detriment because we we though get to step in and say and characterize and define frequency severity uh nature character of these headaches using that as a, an example now that i've mentioned it and really compare before and after the crash or the injury or whatever work-related problem they're experiencing and and really make that crystal clear from a medical perspective what that difference is. And I, I also feel like that that really sets us apart because we are we're quite frankly uh, charged, we're hired to to do that for our attorney. Right. Right. You know, what that makes me think of, Mike, is now obviously we're going to give our uh, always give our uh, straight up medical opinions based on evidence from the medical literature and uh, our uh, evaluation of the treating doctor records and uh, our interview with the client and so forth. But when we write our reports, we also try to anticipate because it comes up all the time. Right. Yes. Anticipate what the opposing arguments are going to be and try to head those off at the pass if that's our opinion. So uh, some of the other things that I think we don't want to make any mistakes, right? That that opposing counsel or opposing doctor could jump on. Like um, I always tell physicians that are doing this, you know, check your grammar, make sure your grammar is right. Don't use wrong pronouns or wrong facts concerning loss or injuries or incorrect dates or incorrect uh, codes if you're using codes in a report. And so some of the other things, they may seem trivial, but uh, I tell uh, the doctors, the first time you mention, for example, a healthcare professional, don't say Dr. So-and-so, give their credentials, say you know, John Smith, MD. Then you can call him Dr. Smith after that. But we want to be highly, highly accurate. Don't say the uh, 
the client went to an emergency room, name the hospital, say what hospital it is and what uh, emergency department they were in, uh, things uh, like this. And which actually reminds me of one other thing, if, uh, okay, if I jump in with this, but um, when I write a report, I make a conscious effort to not to, to, meant to mention the client by name several times in the report. I just don't want to use the, the pronoun he or she. You know, by the way, I never start a paragraph with he or she. Um, I always use the person's name. I do this with conscious intent in all my reports because I want people reading the report to get the message that this report that they read report after report after report. I want them to get the message that this is about a real person with real problems and not just one more accident case that they're reading about. That's it's gold, Armin. It it really makes a difference as, you know, you, you for you who've taught me to do the same and as I read uh, reread my reports and write them. I've, I'm completely convinced it makes a difference in how the report reads and what the power of that those opinions and those statements are when you're naming the individual by name and not just throwing around pronouns. Yeah, yeah. The you know the other thing, and we're we're cutting it close on time here, but I wanted to just mention right. that we also start our reports with a a accurate but thorough summary of the injury injury event and i know it's a bit overlooked but you know the fact that we delve into the uh the specific nature of the uh, usually if by volume we we do a lot of car crashes but so using that as an example we we mention you know and review the traffic report and the crash report on uh mm. and mention the the types of vehicles the way and from the phone interview, any statements about how the crash occurred was was uh, was someone gripping the wheel strongly? Uh, were they restrained driver or not? Did they immediate? Did they drive away from the scene of the accident? Uh, what you know, and all these facts that we're not. I, I want to portray because to, what us is common in everyday nature in doing this. Our listeners may not understand the detail to which these reports function and serve to really be a, a full narrative from beginning to current day on what their client's injuries are and what the impact is on their life and, and from a medical perspective with estimated future medical costs. So it's, again, we take a lot of stuff for granted because we write these and work on these every week. But mm -hmm. I, I just don't know what our listeners don't know. Right. So let me just jump in with one quick thing and then we'll wrap up. But from what you just said, I like to quote from the uh, accident report. So I might say, uh, according to officer so-and-so in the Colorado, from the Colorado State Patrol uh, in his report, he stated X, like the, the uh vehicle was was pushed forward 15 feet or whatever mm -hmm. whatever it is yeah so let me ask you a question mike um do you have uh, some more that you would like to discuss do you think this warrants a, a, another episode or do you think we've got this wrapped up so i got through my list doesn't mean okay. there isn't more but i can't write off the bat unless you have something else i can't say for sure that i need a part three 
Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, we'll talk in the future. Maybe we'll have a part three as uh, we think about this some more. But I think we covered the, the highlights of what uh, we wanted to discuss. I agree. Sounds great. I really enjoyed these two episodes, Arm, and I hope our listeners did too. So uh, if you have a comment or a case, please email us at comments at physicianshelpingattorneys.com. If you enjoy our podcast, we would certainly appreciate a five-star rating and maybe even more so, we would certainly appreciate if you tell a friend or a colleague about our podcast as well. And we look forward to having you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to Physicians Helping Attorneys Helping People. For more information about the show and to listen to all the podcast episodes, go to physicianshelpingattorneys.com. You can also email Armin and Mike at comments at physicianshelpingattorneys.com. Music